AgBioscience is supported by Indiana Farmers Insurance. This is AgBioscience. Welcome. Thanks for joining. I'm Mitch Frazier, CEO of Agrinovus Indiana, and this is the podcast where we explore all things AgBioscience, the people, the products, and innovations across food, animal health, plant science, and ag tech. Only 9% of adults eat the recommended amount of vegetables. That's according to a 2015 report from the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. It's a startling statistic, and it's one that an ag bioscience innovator is seeking to improve through at-home technology. This story is awesome. Welcome, Scott Massey, founder and CEO of Anu. Scott, welcome to Ag Bioscience. Yeah, thank you very much for having me, Mitch. It's an honor to be here. Well, I am elated, Scott, to dig into your technology. The innovation you're advancing just holds tremendous promise to improve food access, to produce, while advancing sustainability, two things that are really tough to do in tandem. But before we get into the product, we have to learn more about you, your journey. Share more what has led you to create this powerhouse that's called Anu. Yeah, well... Thank you for that intro. I hope I do it justice. Uh, you know, I have the great privilege of being from Evansville, Indiana, Vanderbilt County, southern end of the state. This is where I grew up. Uh, Evansville has a long-standing history of manufacturing and designing some of the world-leading appliance brands. So brands you may already own and have into your home uh, have a long-standing history of being right here in this town. After high school, I went to Purdue University, and I also had another great opportunity to work under an individual named Dr. Kerry Mitchell. Uh, Dr. Mitchell is a renowned LED horticulturalist who's been working with a number of federal agencies, uh, most prominently, I would say NASA, uh, identifying more energy efficient, higher yielding ways to grow crops in future space colonies. So we're hearing a lot now about the Artemis moon missions. Eventually, there will be permanent colonies set up on Mars. It's physically impossible to ship the food that's needed to go to these destinations, particularly highly nutritious perishable food that's very critical for having a strong body and mind, particularly in a very demanding environment like that. Uh, so NASA puts incredible efforts into designing more energy efficient ways to grow crops in these environments. And I was lucky enough as an undergraduate student at Purdue University to have the opportunity to work for him as a research engineer and also had the opportunity to meet my then co-worker, Ivan Ball, who's also from the southern end of here in southern Indiana. But while that research was fascinating and I worked with some incredible individuals, I think I really wanted to find a way to be more impactful here and now. And that's where the idea of the company really came to be. And I think somewhere between the convergence of being from the southern end of the state, where we have such a rich history and food product packaging and appliance manufacturing, engineering design and being exposed to that bleeding edge research, it really began to dawn on myself kind of a series of provocative questions like, why don't we grow our own food? Why do we have to go to the grocery store to obtain these highly perishable foods? Why are we essentially subscribing ourselves to the grocery stores when the technologies have reached a maturity point now that we can actually grow our own foods? And from there, I really started to identify the very specific questions of why this was not the case. And it came down to my opinion, three critical things, energy efficiency, when you're replacing the sun, something that's abundantly available for free that farmers don't necessarily pay for at all, rainfall, irrigation, a closed-loop irrigation system, when you replace these costs with things that are freely available with something that needs to be recreated in an environment, uh, the energy cost can be quite prohibitive. And identifying a system design that improved that energy efficiency was a critical aspect. Yield output was critical. Can the system within the small confines of 
an appliance, something that you would want to willingly install in your home, grow enough food to replace the eligible varieties you could get at the store? And is it easy to use? You know, Keurig's kind of the gold standard where consumers can put a pot in and take a cup of coffee out. It's so easy a child can do it. One in five coffee cups in the United States today are from Keurig and growing. So I think really the convergence of those experiences, those questions, and that understanding of why this had not yet become this kind of Nespresso or Keurig for plants experience that I identified an opportunity to develop a system that provided exactly that experience. And Fortunately for me, I went to Purdue University and they had a fantastic Ag Accelerator Investment Fund under the Research Foundation that became one of the first investors into our business. Kind of in summary, that's kind of how the company has started the first few years. And we've been very fortunate to continue some of our traction with federal research funding and some private investment capital as well. Scott, your story is one that I just, I love. And you're parallel to Keurig and coffee for plants. So helpful. The company was initially known as GrowPod. Mm-hmm. Give us an idea. Sh- share more about the what the product is, the problem you're solving. When somebody thinks of a new, what what should they be seeing in their mind? In a lot of ways, it's not too different from what we already experienced today. You probably own a refrigerator and you probably, whether you realize it or not, have a very routine habit of waking up or coming home from work, opening that fridge, asking yourself, asking your loved ones inside your household, what do you want to eat? Well, what do we have? And then you're suddenly going through a series of decisions of preparing a meal inside the home. And while that process may feel routine, we really work backwards from what that's already kind of ingrained into our daily lifestyle. So we're not really asking you to do anything different than you already do. And in many aspects, it's easier than the existing process today because you don't have to go to the grocery store. You don't have to sit in traffic commuting. This is an appliance that looks a lot like the refrigerator you probably already own. A very simple system that plugs into a standard 110 volt outlet, just like your refrigerator does at home. Has a water line connecting to it, no different than your refrigerator or an ice maker if you had that in your home. But when it turns on, it's something different. It's warm, it's inviting, there's a, just enough of a dynamic motion. This is what we call our proprietary rotary aeroponic technology that captures the eye. And soon growth commits. You simply put the pot in, and within about 30 days, we have a growth rate that's about three times of what would normally be outdoors. You have a fully ripe and lush, ready, heady produce to consume. And it's not just leafy greens. We're rapidly expanding into varieties beyond leafy greens, looking at things like culinary herbs and something very unique to our system, or even fruiting varieties. Things like tomatoes and strawberries and others will be available very soon to consumers to be able to grow these types of systems. Scott, that's incredible. From the first time you and I talked to where you are today, I, I remember those early steps in the company. It, it was almost a, a wine fridge or, you know, that, that you had sort of manipulated into this new grow pot environment. Now with a new, a, a beautiful, elegant, dare I say, piece of technology that can be in the kitchen woven into the home. Well, thank you. I really appreciate the uh, appreciation there. But you're right. It definitely came from small beginnings. But I like to believe that great things, you know, start from small beginnings. And I'm really appreciative of all the opportunities Indiana and Purdue has afforded myself. It was only seven years ago that I was an undergraduate student scrapping every dollar I had to pay for patent expenses and prototypes, literally delivering newspapers for the Exponent newspaper 1 a.m. to 4 a.m. every night. Uh, But I found that Indiana was just a fantastic place of doers and people that want to help doers achieve their goals. And I'm just fortunate to continue to base our operations here. I love it. Scout, two key ingredients of of every great innovation, hard work and hustle, and you are showing it. I want to dig more in trajectory of the company, where you're headed. 
We'll do it right after this. We'll take a quick break. Ag Bioscience is supported by Indiana Farmers Insurance. Whether your farm is your business, your hobby, or your passion, you and your farm are one of a kind. Each is unique and requires just the right insurance coverage options. Indiana Farmers Insurance has been protecting farmers for more than 145 years. And together with your local independent insurance agent, today we deliver insurance solutions for your farm, business, home, and vehicles. Insurance can be complicated, so it's important to have a trusted expert who will guide you through your insurance experience. We partner with only the best agents, and like us, most of our agencies have been serving customers for generations. Beyond the basics, we have many other coverages available to match your needs. Our agency partners are experts and can tailor just the right coverages for your farm, business, home, or auto. Come visit us at indianafarmers.com and discover why Indiana Farmers Insurance is the right choice for you. We're proud supporters of Ag Bioscience, and we're here to help you protect what matters most. Welcome back to Ag Bioscience. We're talking with a new CEO, founder, Scott Massey. Scott, this momentum you're on, the elegant evolution of the product, just incredible. You just scored a manufacturing readiness grant, if I remember correctly, to manufacture your seeds, manufacture your equipment. Share more about where you are in the trajectory of the company and, and manufacturing. Yeah, you know, our goal, no matter what headline you see, is always and consistently empowering everybody to grow pure produce, whether it be in the convenience of their home, their institution, their school. We want to make the most possibly highly nutritious, most flavorful, most food safe food available to everybody. And we do so by empowering them to have the ability to grow. And we make it so easy to do so that they don't even have to know how to grow. It's a simple enough process that a child does it. And they oftentimes do when we serve the family unit, which is probably one of my favorites. It's a very empowering experience to see a kid pull up a head of spinach or kale or picking off fresh tomatoes from the system and saying, mom and dad, look what I grew. How can we make this into a meal? You know, to me, it's just so critical that we can empower that family experience. That is incredible. Scott, I, I have to, I want to go back in time because I just have to try to put myself in your mind. So you're at Purdue Every great innovation starts with what problem we're going to solve. You were working in this space environment and how do we make sure there's food in, in these new colonies that are forthcoming. But what was that eureka moment? Where was it where you said, ah, I've got it. I'm going to take a wine fridge and make the Keurig for plants. Like you walk us through. What was that? How did that come to be? You know, I think it was, I wish it was a bit more straightforward than that. But I think in hindsight, everything, uh, the dots connect a little bit more clearly Um, If I'm going to be completely honest, I was a student and I saw an opportunity to improve a lot of the inefficiencies I saw with kind of the status quo of the systems. I would have never guessed that I would have had the opportunity to actually build a company, build a brand and to actually bring this product to market. And it's always kind of slower looking forward than it is looking backwards. Working with the Purdue Exponent was critical. And at the time, I was scraping together dollars to just have enough money to pay my patent attorney the necessary critical intellectual property expense to have market exclusivity on a design that at the time I believe would likely improve the yield, energy efficiency, and overall user experience. And Purdue and many other universities throughout the Midwest have pitch competitions, competitions that, you know, maybe a smaller award relative to what you hear about startup headlines, but a five to $20,000 cash prize can go 
unbelievably far for a motivated person, not just because they're going to spend it incredibly efficiently when they're putting every cent of that back into the prototype and development of that business, but because of the exposure that that can bring. I begged the managing editor, he was a fantastic individual, but told him, I wrote these articles about these competitions we've won. Would you please be so kind as to publish this? I don't care if you said he wrote it and he obliged. And those articles had recipients that responded and said, when this is available, I want one. And before I knew it, I had a list of 50 individuals or my initial early adopters. Oh, that's great. I think that's a critical thing a lot of founders need to do. You need to be very cost-effective in your marketing, but you also need to be very quick to be getting that feedback from the consumers that you wish to serve. Because while you may have all these ideas of what you think they may want, you're oftentimes going to be forgetting what they really want and maybe overestimating things that you think are really important that may not be such a critical detail. Um, I think being able to kind of connect the dots between leveraging ecosystems already existed. For example, that newspaper, these funding mechanisms, the manufacturers that existed, uh, to then make a more cohesive product beyond a dorm room prototype uh, that could actually be given to a consumer to provide that feedback. I think that was probably one of the most influential points for me in formation. Yeah, Scott, it, it makes a ton of sense. And I, I think the, the the vote of validation with dollars, right? When, mm-hmm. when someone is willing to say, I like what you have so much, I'm willing to give you my money. While that seems a, like a very simple transaction, mm-hmm. it is the ultimate test of, am I solving a real problem? Mm-hmm. And then you get to ask them why. Yeah. What, what made you trust me, someone you do not know, with a technology that's been, frankly, untested, underdeveloped, and you're compelled enough to put your financial means on the line that you've worked hard for to fulfill this vision? And the stories I would hear were just profound. I met individuals that had comorbidities, and their physicians had very serious talks with them that if they had not eaten better sooner, their life expectancy would be shortened. And they were mm. urgently trying to find a more immediate means to grow food. Or maybe it was a young mother. And she was very concerned about the values and virtues that she was instilling in her children, about a healthy diet, about stewardship to the environment, about the family experience of eating together to being able to have an open dialogue about what we're proud of, what we're scared of. Uh, I think it was just a very profound learning moment for us. And I'm very fortunate for people who are willing to, you know, I think be patient and work mm-hmm. with a starting young company. You talked about this winding road that you've been on, never never quite as straight as it looks. Share more. You know, there, there are a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to this, a lot of investors that listen to this, a lot of folks who maybe are on the sidelines saying, you know, I, I think I've got an idea. What have you learned as a founder in navigating both product innovation, how do we create a really cool product that people want to buy, mm-hmm. and leading a company and leading a team and doing that all at the same time not an easy task. No, I think in some ways, in someone who given me the advice years ago that if your dreams aren't big enough, uh, if they don't scare you, they're maybe not necessarily big enough. And, you know, I think that's something I've definitely taken to heart. Um, it seemed very overwhelming early on when you're starting at the very beginning, the origin, kind of the genesis, wondering how big could this be? How am I possibly going to scale something when I'm 21 years old? I've never started a company in my life. You exclude my lawn mowing experience in high school. Um, you know, I think the best question to ask yourself is why wait? Uh, because ultimately the doers are the people who don't wait. They're the ones who don't really make excuses as to maybe not having funding or not having a customer identified. You can be your own investor. 
There's nothing stopping you from doing so. You can work night shifts. It's going to be difficult. Absolutely. But life is always going to be difficult. In my mind, you might as well accept the difficulty, embrace the difficulty, and hopefully take some control of your own destination of where it's going to be. And don't be afraid to ask for help when you need it. Uh, I think a great African proverb that I once heard is that if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Ultimately, it will not just be you. You're going to need to be able to attract very good team members and you're going to need to be able to retain them as well and repeat that over and over and over again. But if you do it right, it's almost like a chain reaction where the team begins to start building itself as time goes on. So never become overwhelmed by the journey ahead. Really just start one step at a time. Such good advice. Such good advice. Now, Scott, at this point, People are driving, they're listening on their way to work, working, maybe doing a workout right now, listening to this. My hunch is there are a lot of people who are hungry for produce. How in the world can they get a new and how do they get it to their house? Well, it's a little early, but we'll have some exciting updates in the not so distant future when this will become available. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. Well, be sure, if you will, let us know. We'll certainly uh, drive all kinds of awareness at agronovasindiana.com and would love to have you back here on the podcast to talk about it, Scott. Be an honor. Thank you. Well, Scott, I thank you so much for the work that you're doing to advance access to fuel innovation and doing it right here in Indiana. Scott Massey, founder uh, and CEO of Anu. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. And to be honest, this couldn't be done anywhere if it wasn't for Indiana's leading agricultural engineering manufacturing expertise. uh, This would not be viable in the slightest. So I'm thankful to Indiana and the great work that Agronovis is doing to really connect all these dots and make it possible. Appreciate it so much. He is Scott Massey, and I thank you for tuning in to Ag Bioscience. You can get the latest Ag Bioscience news and insights from discussions just like this by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. And while there, you can access our entire library and give us a review. And always, you can learn more online at agronovisindiana.com. On behalf of the entire Agronovis team, I'm Mitch Frazier saying thanks for listening. We look forward to seeing you real soon. This podcast is a product of Agronovis Indiana in collaboration with Inside Indiana Business. Hosted by Mitch Frazier. Produced by Kayla Chittister and Fabian Rodriguez. Photography by Kaylee Kerr. To get all ag bioscience news all the time, visit agronovisindiana.com. Thank you.